On this episode, I'm at the Washington Public Library in Washington, Iowa, and I am going to be visiting with a gentleman from the great state of New York. His name is Dr. Jeff Bonner, and also a lady from the great state of Iowa, and specifically Southeast Iowa, Sally Hart, and she is Director of Outreach and Community, and they're with CAP CO2 Solutions, Inc., and that company, their company, has innovative ways to capture CO2 at ethanol plants and use that CO2 for other products, thus using more of the product of ethanol and beyond. And it's pretty amazing what we talk about. And they also mention, Dr. Jeff Bonner also mentions how their system could work in tandem with solar and with wind energy when those two aren't working, this still works overnight and throughout the day, at all times of the day, whether it's sunny or if the wind's blowing and all of that. And it's all brought to you by Griner Auto Body of Washington, Iowa, using state-of-the-art techniques and decades of experience to get your car back on the road after an accident. Car Doctor of Washington, Iowa, no matter who Frankensteined it, they can fix and clean and customize it. McDonald Boneyard of Kyoto, Iowa, for all of your farm equipment and auto recycling needs. Hinshaw Trailer Sales of Richland, Iowa. You need a trailer? They've got your trailer, and they fix what they sell and don't in their full-time repair shop. Girling Repair of Winfield, Iowa. If your mower is dead, call Fred, your Husqvarna, Aaron's, and Gravely dealer. He also is a Husqvarna snowblower dealer, and he fixes all makes and models of snowblowers as well. B&B Propane and the family of Jet Stops present Southeast Iowa Today. I'm John Bain, author of Christie's Journey, The Beat Goes On, and your host. Let's get right to it. Welcome to the program, Sally. Welcome to the program. Uh, this is a real pleasure for me today. Pleasure for me as well. Thank yeah. you for having me. And Jeff, I got your welcome. And Jeff, I have to say, this lady here... We know each other from different lives. We worked in radio together here in Washington, Iowa at KCII Radio. She was our news director, and I was a salesman, a salesman there. And uh, um, when I left, um, she didn't leave too much after me. I like to, I like to think it's because she missed me, but that's probably not the case. <laughs> you know, she recorded uh, an audio track for a video we released for a conference. And my wife overheard it from the other room and said, oh, how'd you get a news, a radio announcer to do that track? So there, <laughs> there you go. go. There yeah. you go. Well, there's the proof. Me, based on reading this press release and watching some videos that uh, Sally shared with me, pretty amazing company with what you're capable to do with CO2, I guess, byproduct. If that's not the right word, you correct me on that. But explain to the audience just what exactly you do. Okay, great. Sure. Yeah, it turns out that CO2 is the basis for, you know, millions of products. Mm -hmm. And it's the simplest possible carbon molecule. And carbon is the key to lots and lots of things we use in everyday life. Um, the CO2 that comes from ethanol plants is particularly pure and particularly um, useful because that CO2 was captured by plants 
in the last six months. And if you put it back in the atmosphere, it's net zero. You haven't added anything that wasn't already there, unlike fossil CO2, which was captured a million years ago. And if you put it in the atmosphere, that's new. Okay. So that bio CO2, we, we call it, from an ethanol plant is just useful as the basis of lots of things. It's useful as ethanol, which is one of the things that, you know, is well understood as a useful product. Mm -hmm. um, but the CO2 can be upgraded to other things and upgrading it to methanol turns out hardly anyone's heard of methanol, but there are literally thousands of products that are based on methanol. It's the second most common chemical commodity. And so if you make it out of methanol that's been made from an ethanol plant um, using our process, you get a net zero product. So um, we have companies we're talking who want to make green coatings, green um, uh, coatings, I guess is the term, paints and coatings. We, it can be used as a fuel um, in fact, um, well, you guys aren't in Knoxville, but uh, the um, the cars, racing cars, generally run on methanol. So um, that's what uh, I was going to ask about was because I knew yeah. that it'd be like, a, is it from methane? It's actually I, there's a methylated unit, but I don't understand the chemistry enough to okay. why the names are so close, but. It's not methane. Methane is natural gas. Okay. So it's it's just a simple ethanol and methanol are the two simplest carbon compounds and both useful as fuels. And so we start from there. So why not take that CO2 and upgrade it to something that's very valuable? Uh, the shipping industry in particular has standardized on methanol as their replacement for fossil fuel and there's you know hundreds of ships being built you know to run on methanol 40 ports have been upgraded so that you can fill up on methanol in addition to filling up on you know uh, fossil fuel so right now green methanol is a very hot commodity and we want ethanol plants to be able to benefit from that you know, it's, you know, when you mention the shipping industry, when we're here in the middle of the United States, continental U.S., we, our biggest waterways that we see are the Mississippi River and the Skunk River and <laughs> that sort of thing, right. seeing oceans. But, you know, there's a lot of America that probably doesn't think about those aspects, you know, that are needed in the, in the shipping air industry when they're going worldwide over the oceans of the world. Yeah, so... You know, to that point, uh, methanol, with a small modification, a diesel engine can run on methanol. And um, and we so that's a definitely a potential direction. It's more in the very early stages. So we focus on places where we know we can sell it right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. I would say that that would be quite a rabbit hole to go down when you start thinking right. about all the different things that it would you'll you'll turn the energy world upside down at some point that's right that's which right. may not be a bad thing that's that's definitely right yeah, yeah. So, so right now co2 
what are ethanol plants doing with it? Now, as I told Sally before we started uh, uh, visiting with you this afternoon, you know, I think back to high school science classes in junior high and, you know, we use oxygen, we breathe oxygen that the plants give off. We give off CO2 and the plants breathe that in. You know, what is there such a thing as too much CO2? And, and if so, where are we at right now with ethanol plants and what are they doing with that extra CO2 at this point? Yeah, um, there's definitely a, such a thing as too much CO2. I mean, the unusual, you know, climate change without getting into that whole rabbit hole, there's um, uh, our CO2 is in the atmosphere is at unprecedented levels. And we're starting to see that in weather patterns, disruptive weather patterns. Um, you know, Southern California right now is going through a five inches an hour storms, which, you know, what's that about? It's a desert. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, there is too much CO2 and we're emitting too much CO2. The CO2 that comes from fossil fuel, unfortunately, it was captured by plants a million years ago. And I might have the numbers a little off there, but sure. a long time ago. So when we reintroduce it, we're adding to what's there in the atmosphere right now. The beauty of ethanol plants is that CO2 uh, can be reused to these, you know, green fuels, green products. Um, methanol can become green plastics. Um, and when they break down, you don't add any new CO2. So that's why it's, the, I mean, the other thing, great thing about uh, ethanol plants is it's extremely pure. The ethanol plants put a lot of work in to capturing every little bit of ethanol um, from their kind of exhaust. Okay. So what they're putting out into the atmosphere is 99% pure CO2. And it's biological CO2. So we can upgrade it to useful products. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the, there's the opportunity. Um, there's the opportunity we're taking advantage. And it makes me think of, you know, when you talk to a farmer, they use everything they have. Yeah. Every part of that corn, they have the opportunity to use this as well. It's incredible. You know, um, during the uh, more, most recently, and this candidate has dropped out of the race, but the, he was a 2024 Republican presidential candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy, and cool. he was out in Iowa before the Iowa caucus. And one of the things he brought up every time was the CO2 pipelines that are starting to take place in the state of Iowa and that are using eminent domain to go across people's property with these pipelines. I understand they're probably trying to capture the CO2 for the same reasons that you mentioned, but your way doesn't take up anybody else's land to capture the product. Exactly. Can exactly. you tell? So uh, <laughs> obviously a better solution. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's like, why shouldn't the ethanol plants and the farmers that supply the ethanol plants be rewarded for this CO2 capture activity instead of penalized? So it just seems like a no brainer. I mean, there, you know, there are situations where you might want to capture CO2 and put it in a pipeline and bury it, but the ethanol plants, it's absurd. It's an absurd waste of a, 
good resource. Well, do. just, you know, this conversation alone makes me say, it sounds sure sounds like your way it makes more sense for everybody. And there and there's a way to uh, financially gain from it as well. And and uh, I mean, we don't know what the results will be if you stuff all this stuff in our below surface for however many years. Right. Yeah. I mean, that just seems to be creating a problem for my great grandchildren. That that I'm That's right. Or great, great that will never know me, but I don't want to be one of the ones that they blame <laughs> because we didn't right. do better. And right. I, I don't I don't know if Sally, I'm, she probably didn't, but, you know, my training is as a computer scientist. And I was kind of a two years ago looking, well, OK, what am I going to do next? What's my next uh, move here? And my kids said, do something about the climate. You messed it up. It's your job to fix it. So wow. well, there that, you go. that's how I found uh, this uh, this opportunity. Very and interesting. Part of why the footprint works for this is that our technology is modular. So we have what we call our methanol modules, and that can be scaled up to each ethanol facility to maximize um, their products. So how big are these modules? It's a shipping container like you'd put on a, on a, you know, on a, uh, an 18 wheeler. So okay. 10 by 10 by 40 foot metal crate that, wow. I mean, you see them everywhere. So we, it, it makes it two advantages. One, it's modular and small and compact. Um, and the second is, is we can manufacture it very cost effectively because, you know, it's just a standard module that you plug in as needed. So it's uh, in terms of the growth of the business, it makes it very straightforward for us to expand and so, enlarge the number. Of so in one of these modules, how much of the CO2 would it hold? And kind of give me an idea of what that it would equate to as far as the end result of what is what comes from that. Um, Just so, so we get a picture of numbers of modules and such. Yeah, so a um, uh, a methanol. So let me go through the numbers. One methanol module, so will uh, consume about. Um, well, let me do the do the math. So it's ten thousand metric tons. We'll make about ten thousand metric tons of green methanol, which is about six million gallons of green methanol. Okay. So, um, and that's and just one container, one container. That's incredible. And so if you have a, you know, for our first ethanol plant, they're about a 60 million gallon, um, ethanol, uh, facility. And so you're going to need roughly 10 of these shipping. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And then, so, I mean, people watching this, I mean, they, they know what a, a container looks like and the size. And, and so basically those containers, they'll just sit right there on the ethanol plant's property. They're not going to have to infringe on anybody else's property to, unless, you know, unless they wanted to buy storage from them and they wanted to do it or something, you know, but right. that's right. But to me, I, I mean, that, you know, that just sounds better than the the pipeline mode and, and sticking it in the ground. It, I mean, again, it, particularly in the ethanol industry, there's just no excuse. You should be capturing and upgrading those CO2. It's crazy waste to throw it away. 
Now, you, sir, are currently in New York, the state of New I York, am. and we're in the state of Iowa. And you folks have a, a plant in Lena, Illinois, which is right. just, Sally told me, northwest Illinois, just up the river from us about three hours. Uh, what goes on miles, there? 30 miles east of Dubuque. 30 miles east of Dubuque. With regard to Iowa, yeah. yeah. So what goes on there, like right now, uh, on a Tuesday afternoon, what is happening there? Um, you mean in, in terms of the basic ethanol operation? And that and then how they capture the CO2 that goes into uh, your modules and then and how long does it take to fill a module? You know, okay. Well, the module has equipment in it. Just like start with just clarifying okay. that. So you have you feed CO2 in. And you also need to feed in oxygen. Uh, I'm sorry, hydrogen. Okay. And the the equipment in the module combines those two under pressure to create the green methanol. So mm. that's the that's the basic operation. And then there's a storage tank that holds the methanol. Actually, at most ethanol plants, you don't need a separate storage tank because they have tanker cars, tanker train cars, right there. Okay. So you just fill up one of those tankers with methanol next to the ones that are being filled up with ethanol. Okay, and then just so, send them on down the line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and basically that that methanol in general is going to the same place as the ethanol. Okay. So that that works perfectly. Um so the ethanol plants receiving corn. Here's the way I like to have you ever been to an ethanol plant? You I have not. I want to no, go to this Lena one sometime. Okay. It's, we can it's worth going yeah, there to. Go. So there's a line of trucks delivering corn, getting weighed, you know, for how much corn they're delivering. And there's a, you know, tanker cars being filled up with ethanol. The thing, the place smells like, um, what's the smell? What would you say? Is like, um, is it like moonshine? No, no, it no. smells like cornbread. Oh, okay. Even have you like heard of, Have you heard of DDGs? Is that uh, distiller's grain? Yes. Okay. So what that comes from is after you've gotten all the ethanol out, after you've fermented, you've ground up the corn, fermented it, taken off the ethanol, um, what you have is this grain, which turns out is a lovely animal feed. Huh. Um and it's a significant revenue source for the ethanol plants, you know, definitely in the spirit of we're going to use up everything and we're going to get value out of the whole thing, you know, very much. A, this a, all a sounds farmer. like a fa fancy moonshine plant. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> it, it is. You know what they call the fermenting liquid? They call it beer. Oh, so, okay. Mm -hmm. So you have beer. And so a typical ethanol plant will have multiple fermenters and you know with a, a you know a one to two day process to turn the ground up corn into ethanol mm -hmm. so they're filling one tank one day while it's fermenting in the second tank while it's being drained in the third tank and while the tank's being cleaned in the fourth tank wow. so every day they're rotating among these tanks and that's again, I'm oversimplifying it. I'm no expert, but, but you're, that's but you're making science sound fun. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they actually, um, methanol is poisonous. One of the, you can't, if you've ever heard of wood alcohol, You're right. Um, methanol is wood alcohol. Okay. And so it's poisonous. You don't want to ever drink it. And to make the, to make sure people don't use it as moonshine, they have to add methanol gotcha. to uh, make it unsa unsafe for human consumption. Gotcha. So, uh, and anyway, so all these fermentation tanks produce a lot of CO2. Um, and the, um, they combine it all in one place. Then they send it through scrubbers, which scrub out every fraction of CO2, uh, of ethanol that's still left there because they don't want to waste that. Okay. And then the CO2 goes out the, you know, a little smokestack there. So all we need to do is, you know, gather that CO2 that's about to go out and pipe it over to our, um, our methanol module. Okay. And in doing so, that lowers the carbon intensity score of the ethanol that they're producing um, by about 25 points. Okay. And what is a, what is a good number for that? Do you, for um, people like me, I have no idea. Sure. So um, the carbon intensity is how much CO2 is being emitted. How, how much how much CO2 is being emitted through the making of the ethanol, and that has to include everything. You know, if you have trucks on site, the 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 fossil fuel in the engines of the truck, so you have to add everything up. Okay. And you know how much chemical fertilizers were used on the corn, so that okay. gets. Calculating. That's got to be so, formula. And, you know, and there's people who's expert at that right. kind of yeah. analysis. So um, currently at um, Atkins, it's 55 to 60. They are probably so um, points. Okay. They're probably a little more um, diligent than most ethanol plants. Um, with our process, it'll take 25 points off of that, get it below 30. And getting it below 30 is considered low carbon ethanol. And so you can sell it at a higher price. Um, states like California, people with, you know, states with uh, tougher environmental regulations will take it um, where they would not take normal ethanol. And so that's, so, you know, um, the people at Atkins have made reducing their um, carbon score a key part of their business strategy because it just makes everything, um, they make more money. Um, and, and even potentially, I would think there would be more uh, call for more of the corn for the farmers, the farming industry itself. In fact, it even pushes down to the farmers that there's a thing called low carbon corn which is, did you um, did you use cover crops? Did you not till? Gotcha. Did you use uh, um, minimal chemical inputs? So all that combines to the carbon score for the corn. And so there's a definition of low carbon corn. And at Atkins, they'll be paying their farmers more money to deliver the low carbon corn than standard corn because that'll allow them to drop their um, their carbon score even more. 
And then it should still be good for the consumer. The prices probably won't go up as much when it's being used in the way that it, that you've described. That's right. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm not sure that, I mean, it, it it's, um, uh, it's corn that you wouldn't eat. So right. it's not okay. So, but, um, you know, it's part of qualifying for the various incentives to decarbonize and it's sort of, you know, for me, the, the justice is in making sure farmers share in those incentives and not just, you know, big companies that invest. So, um, so that's an attractive part of the whole cycle. It sure sounds like it. Now I want to ask Sally, put you on the spot. Okay. What is your company's website? So you can find more information at capco2.solutions. And then we also have a LinkedIn page and an Instagram. Okay. Well, I will make sure to put that website address on the screen right around where we're talking now. And okay. people will see Perfect. that. Perfect. Yeah. Um, there's just so much here. The, um, one of the things that I wanted to ask is what is the next step for you? You're in Lena. When are you going to be in Southeast Iowa and, and come across the river and what's the plan? Well, we're, the, um, uh, <laughs> we're building our first U S methanol module at Lena. Okay. And we've got a complete set of plans. We have a bunch of parts on order and we'll be starting construction uh, hopefully in the next month or two. Okay. And so that's that's step one for the ethanol industry. Um, and uh, I have a long list of ethanol plants who've said, show me it working in Lena and I'm interested. Okay. So there's a certain amount of show me, which fine, it's legit. And uh, it's uh, it's new technology. It's not the one that the uh, the politicians are supporting necessarily. Mm -hmm. So uh, we we will demonstrate it in Lena, and then I expect to sign up a bunch of ethanol plants very quickly after. Well, it is it is exciting. I really appreciate both of your time today and the chance to educate myself. That's one of the reasons I do this podcast, but also the. Uh, the folks that watch it. And usually when I get to a point where I'm about to wrap things up, I always ask my guest, is there something I should have asked that I don't didn't know to ask that you would like to touch on before before we wrapped up? Um, I'll chime in. So one thing that you Please. may want to know is that this technology isn't only applicable to ethanol facilities. Oh. It has a, a broader range. Um, it's just that ethanol and CAPCO2 are a really good partnership as far as where we're sitting currently. Good place to start. Yep. So I don't know if you want to expand on that, Jeff. I do, actually. Um, part of the thing, John, is it's just, you know, you look at all this, um, you know, okay, how do you decarbonize different chemicals and different products? It's, you know, it's messy. There's a lot of different pathways, a lot of different economic incentives and disincentives and like that. So part of what's so attractive of with ethanol plants plus making green methanol is it's real simple and straightforward. And the CO2 is already clean. 
uh, you know, the ethanol plants already have a lot of infrastructure, um, like train, like train siding. Um, so it just makes the story really simple. We're not struggling with every different logistical problem at the same time. We can focus in on just make sure the technology is working. Um, as Sally said, uh, there are lots of sources of bio, biological CO2, um, manure treatment plants um, uh, are one, landfills are another, um, and I can easily imagine methanol modules at all those places. Um, I'll give you another example. Um, I'm sure we've all seen uh, driven by, you know, Iowa has these what I consider beautiful wind farms. Um, and, you know, you're driving by at night and no one's using that electricity. Where's that going? What's what's it being used for? And, you know, it is it is a fact that often those installations have to throw away electricity, you know, if it's not being produced at the right time of day. Um, most of the energy that comes from a solar field is between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So if you don't have a ton of people using it between 10 and 2, you know, there, it's somewhat lost. Right. Um, well, one of the things you could use a methanol module for is just park some there. And when the wind's blowing hard at 3 in the morning, make green methanol. And you've now, essentially, you've got a chemical battery where you've stored that energy in a form that makes the um, renewable energy field more profitable and means that you're more more efficiently using the power you've spent money to, to be able to make. Um, well, so it's real, there's it's, another application. It's real interesting that you bring that up because right now in Henry County in, in Southeast Iowa, they're talking big time about the possibility of new wind turbine uh, farms throughout the northern part of Henry County. So in some of the things that you mentioned with the, and they also with solar too. And what you mentioned, those downfall parts of it, this might be a solution too, like you say, to uh, really capitalize on things. So that's very interesting. I, I love when I have synergy in my different podcasts. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, uh, I'd love to hear that one, that podcast, by the way, if you're going to be interviewing the people doing that. Yeah, but I've got got one out there where they read the resolution, and RWE um, is the the company out of Germany, and uh, okay. Sally can show you show you that. But uh, Jeff and Sally, um, Doctor Jeff Bonner, thank you so much for being on the show today. Sally, thank you so much, Sally Hart. I, I, I guess I've known her forever. Well, not really. I mean, I'm so much older than her, but it couldn't be forever. <laughs> but it's nice to nice to have you both on today. And I encourage the the viewers to go to your website once again, Sally. That website capco2.solutions and and check them out. And doctor, have a great day. Good luck to you, and hopefully, I can have you on in the future. Um, I look forward to it. Thank you very much, John. It was great. And thank you, Sally, for setting it up. Thank you. I'm glad it worked. Thanks. If the wheels aren't spinning in your head after that episode, then you need to back this up and watch it all over again, because I'll tell you what, they're spinning in my head. I still have questions, and I'm sure we're going to have, have uh, Dr. Jeff Bonner and Sally Hart back on again from Cap CO2 Solutions, Inc., and it was all brought to you by Griner Auto Body, Car Doctor, 
McDonald Boneyard, Hinshaw Trailer Sales, Girling Repair, B&B Propane, and the family of Jet Stops. I'm your host, John Bain. Stay friendly, Southeast Iowa.